the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Acts, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. Along the way, he meets with the leaders of Ephesus to encourage and guide them. We'll pick it up in Acts chapter 20, verse 13. The title of the message is Leadership 101. There's a meme out there, and you know what it says, you know, I need to find someone else who can adult better than I can. Yeah. You wake up one morning, and you realize you are one, and there's no one else out there. <laughs> it's, it's up to you, which is a good lead-in to what we're about to talk about in Acts chapter 20, because the Bible has a lot to say about leadership, about coming to a place where you have responsibilities. Many of us, we will find ourselves in some semblance of leadership over the course of our lives. And so as Paul, we come to Acts chapter 20, he's making the rounds on his way back home on this third missionary trip that he's taken. He feels compelled to call a special meeting with the pastoral team from the city of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. And in this meeting, Paul gives what he believes will be his last words to them. Now, If you knew when your last words were going to be with someone, you would probably measure them out, make them count. And so in in doing so, in delivering his last words to these group of pastors, we have one of the most important teachings in Scripture on leadership. In doing so, Paul lists six areas of importance for a leader. And this morning, we're going to look at the first three. Character, courage, and consecration. And so Acts chapter 20 We'll pick it up in verse 13. We mentioned here, the context, of course, Paul, he's left Ephesus, he's gone back into Europe, and he has made the, the rounds there encouraging the church about a year and maybe three to four months are spent during that time off screen. And then now he comes back to Troas, where he's only there for a week, and he ministers to them. And of course, the young man Eutychus falls out of the window. God brings him back to life, and, and it's an awesome time of just comfort, and, and wow, God is just amazing. Well, verse 13, now he leaves. That week is done, and he's leaving in the morning, and now he leaves. And it says that we, that's Paul's team, remember he's got this large team with him that is bringing this offering to Jerusalem, and we went before to the ship and sailed unto Asos. Now, Asos is a port city about 20 miles south of Troas, 
There it says, intending to take in Paul, for so had he appointed, minding or planning himself to go on foot. So they all took the ship, which is actually the longer route, and he went on foot to the city of Asos. Now, a paved Roman road connected the two cities. It was a, a beautiful walk in the springtime, and like I said, a shorter trip than going around the Cape by sea. We're not sure why Paul took this route alone. What's interesting, though, is that Jesus often got alone to spend time with his father. And, you know, we all need time, even in serving the Lord, to get alone with him in order that he can get our full attention, don't we? There were times when he would take the disciples and he would say, come away with me. And he would come away with them and he would spend some quality time alone with them, away from the crowds and away from the hustle and bustle and away from the serving and away from the ministry. It's so important for us to take time to just get away with the Lord on a regular basis, to get in that quiet place with him. 14, when he met with us at Asos, we took him in onto the ship and, they, and came to Mytilene. And we sailed from there and came the next day over against Chilia or Chios. And the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried at Chagillium, and the next day we came to Miletus. Now, all these places, they're all island port cities. Paul is kind of avoiding the mainland, and he's stopping at these port cities. And, and as he's coming down through these uh, island port cities, uh, he eventually lands at Miletus. Now, Miletus is about 28 miles south of Ephesus. It was once the chief city of the Ionian Greeks, but it was now far eclipsed by Ephesus. And the question, of course, is, well, why did he stop here instead of Ephesus then? And he clarifies for us in verse 16. For Paul had determined to sail by, to go past Ephesus, because he would not spend the time in Asia. For he hasted, or he was in a hurry, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. Now, it mentions here, it says he didn't want to spend the time in Asia. Literally, the word carries a suggestion of wasted time. And I'd be saying, Paul, one of the largest churches that you've served at is in Ephesus. How would any time there be a waste of time? But Paul had a clear mission, and that was to get these finances, this gift, to Jerusalem. And if he stopped at Ephesus, they would end up bringing things to him that they could handle just fine themselves. Which brings up a very important point about leadership. A good leader does not micromanage every detail so that it is done exactly like he'd do it. I remember when I first started off as a pastor, I wanted everyone to know that we were serious about what we were doing. We met in my apartment. We planted the church over in Stanford, and we met in our apartment. I had just gotten married and met in our apartment, and, and so everything had to be perfect. Everything had to be squeaky clean. You know, there couldn't be anything anywhere. And I remember Bev would be vacuuming or something like that, and she would miss the tiniest smidge of something. And I would look over and I'd go, it's dirty over here. And, and she'd be like, okay, sorry, I missed a spot. And I'd be like, no, it's not about that. It's about taking this seriously. We want people to know we're not just playing church. We are, this, yes, we're in a house, but this is a serious thing we're doing. Of course, you're all like, wow, what a jerk. <laughs> I was, I was. Because that's not how I would have done it. But the truth is, everybody doesn't have to be like me. I'm not perfect. I didn't think that way, but it was a misguided righteousness. And there are times as a leader, you think, well, no, no, not this way. That's not the way I would do it. If I were here, I would do it exactly like this. And that's the only way it's going to work. And the truth is, what does it say in 1 Corinthians 12? It says, 
there are diversities of operations, 1 Corinthians 12, 6, but it's the same God which is working all in all. Jesus says there are different operations or different ministries, administrations, but Jesus is the one who is the same gift giver. In the same way, even those ministries can look a little different at times, depending upon who's doing it, using their individual unique talents and abilities. A good leader pours into a person in such a way that they do the task properly within their own unique skill set. That's what a good leader does. Now, that brings up the point then, there are things that we can waste our time on. Things we don't need to do, even though we might be able to do them better than somebody else. Instead, Paul says, you know what? They'll be fine. I do have something in mind. I do need to minister to them, but I don't need to be there. They'll be fine. They got this. So instead, Paul has something in mind that will minister to the Ephesian church, but still allow him to stay on course with the main thing God wants him to do, which is to go to Jerusalem. So verse 17, it says, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and he summoned the elders of the church. Now, the elders here, the pastoral team that served the large church at Ephesus, and this was going to be an intense one-day beachside conference with Paul the Apostle. It probably said that on the banner, you know, beachside conference with Paul the Apostle, only 179, you know, right? So, no, he called him down. He said, guys, I'm on my way here. I can't come to the church, but you come down here and we'll spend a day together. And they are some of the most important words that a leader needs to hear. Paul starts off in verse 18, and when they were come unto him, he said unto them, you know, he says, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you in all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Paul starts off talking about a leader's character and he uses the example of his own life. The phrase here, you know, is emphatic. It's right there at the beginning of the sentence in the Greek. And and the idea is he's saying, you know. He appeals to their personal knowledge of his character as an example to them. He says, you know. You have watched me. You have seen my life. After what manner, he says, I have been with you in all seasons. And you know, this is one of the reasons that we need to be in fellowship. Yeah, I don't like the preacher. I don't like, you know, the sermons bore me or this or that or whatever it might be. You know, he goes on and on and on. You know, he's always talking about this or always talking about that. But that's not the only thing we gain from being in fellowship with one another. We need examples of what it means to be a godly man or a godly woman, a godly dad, a godly mom or a godly child. I need to have those in my life that I look up to and that I aspire to be like. I need that in my life. And if I don't have that in my life, there's a problem. See, the only standard I see when I'm out of fellowship is myself. And we have a funny way of viewing ourselves, don't we, right? We have a funny way of kind of going, well, yeah, I know that's wrong, but. And we view ourselves in the best possible light. There's no other way around it. Because we know our thoughts, we know the things that are going on in here, we have this warped sense of justice inside of us, and so we excuse ourselves. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And so I ask you, do you who's your example? Do you have somebody like that in your life that you look to and you say, 
I want to be like that. That's how you're supposed to be a dad. I remember uh, there's a, a gentleman here, I won't embarrass him by calling him out, but he has, he has uh, beautiful daughters who love the Lord. And, and uh, from the very moment that we met this family, me and Beverly said, I want to hang out with them because I want to know how to get my little girl to turn out like that. It was an example that was set before us of how to raise your kids in this world in a way that they turn out walking with the Lord. So who's your example? Who are you learning what it's like to be a Christian from? And maybe this obviously doesn't apply to me, but maybe to you it does, that, that you know, you've already arrived and so you, know, you've, you don't need any more examples, but then my question would be is, are you a good example to others? Are you here showing us how to do it? Being the example. Whatever angle you're coming from, you are needed here. We need you. Paul says, you have watched me after what manner I've been with you at all seasons. I love that about Paul's character. His character didn't change in the almost three years he spent with them. Three years he'd been with them, and his character never changed. Now, what did that character look like? Well, verse 19, he explains. He says, serving the Lord with, number one, all humility of mind, number two, with many tears, and number three, with temptations. In Paul's character, the first thing that stood out in his service to God was his, and really all these things show his attitude, okay? All these three things show his attitude in serving the Lord. And, and the first thing it mentions about his attitude was that he had humble thoughts. He had a humility of mind. Turn over to Philippians chapter two with me. Philippians two. In verse three, just read it on your own for a moment. Let it sink in. If each and every one of us came with that plastered on our hearts, don't you think it'd be a lot easier not to get offended? To begin to measure yourself against others? Or cop an attitude? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You know, our perfect example is just a few verses later in Jesus. Verse five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the mind we're supposed to have. If anybody had a reason to kind of look out there and go, um, you know what? I don't have to take this. It would be the Lord himself. The Lord himself. And yet the thing, all the privilege of deity, all of the glory, all of the honor and praise that he was due, the Bible says he laid it aside. He didn't stop being God, but he laid aside some of those privileges and he became a man and he walked among us. At any point, you know, remember when, when um, you know, uh, Peter, you know, slices the guy's ear off, you know? And, and Jesus turns to me and goes, don't you realize that I could call a whole legion of angels <laughs> anytime I want to stop this mess? At any moment, he could have said, you know, 
I like my beard the way it is. I'd prefer it not to be yanked out with your bare hands. I'm God Almighty and I've had enough. But he didn't. See, this humility of mind, this thought, this love that's there that prefers others above ourselves. That's how we have a right attitude in serving the Lord. That's how our character becomes something that God can use. Listen, do you think you're better than others or you could do this ministry better than others? Is your service self-absorbed or is it focused on others? You know, this pulpit isn't about me and if it ever becomes about me, I hope you all start leaving so I get the hint. I don't ever want it to be about me. I don't want anything that goes on here at this church to ever be about that individual. And if we ever even get the hint that it is, that person will no longer be there. Why? Because nobody's better than anybody. How can you boast about a gift? (laughs) Look at what I got for Christmas. Aren't I so special? There's a sense where we feel special because God is so good to us. But you can't boast about what you didn't get yourself. You're going to get, I mean, you know, I'm always even amazed, you know, when, you know, some guy, the fastest man in the world, you know, runs and beats everybody, pounds his chest, and yeah, look at me. And I'm like, okay, who made your little twitchy tendons better than mine? You know? You weren't in the womb, you know, fastening those things. And they've done so much research on, on, on who it is that has the ability to do these things. There's a reason that guys like, you know, Doug Flutie weren't given a chance. It's because, generally speaking, guys that short can't see all over all the 356 foot nine guys in front of them trying to keep them from being flattened. So they can't see the receivers out there. Now, does that mean that there's not exceptions? He was an exceptionally gifted individual. But my point is, is in science, we've come to learn more and more and more that, you know, you just really don't have that much to do with it. Yes, there's hard work involved. But there's a sense that at any moment, even my ability just to go out and do my job could be taken away from me. I could lose my voice in a heartbeat. And then what? What do we have that we did not receive? Humility of mind, humble thoughts. Next it mentions his tears. See, the right attitude of a leader that shows in his character is a broken heart. A broken heart. Note here, he doesn't just say tears, but he says many tears. He says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Like Jesus, Paul wept over unrepentant sinners, disobedient brothers, and apostate false teachers. He wept over them. He didn't bang his fist at them, ah, you know, dirty, rotten, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Is my approach to ministry a broken heart when I see others astray? Or do you get frustrated with them? Do you get angry? The third thing he mentions is a persevering resolve. He says here, serving the Lord through temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. The word there means trials. Paul was slandered by the unrepentant Jews, but he didn't quit. He wanted to at times, but he didn't quit. And then the unrepentant Gentiles started a riot over the influence he was having there in Ephesus, but he didn't quit. And what is your attitude towards service when it gets difficult? 
Listen, if you have a heart for ministry or a heart for serving the Lord, it's gonna get difficult, all right? There's gonna be moments where you go, why did I sign up for this? I remember being out at school, I would hear, I mean, I went through the pastoral line of, you know, electives and all that kind of jazz. And, you know, here I am with a bunch of other, you know, 19-year-old, don't-know-nothing kids, right? And we have all these pastors coming and telling us, you won't understand this till you're in it. You just smile and go, oh, well, you know, you know, I haven't lost faith like you have, man. We're, we got this. Nothing's going to deter me. Then you find yourself laying in a bed one day wanting to die. Because of your own inadequacies, your own failures, the troubles you face. Paul said there are times he felt pressed out of measure squeezed to the point where he couldn't be squeezed anymore. What is your attitude towards service when it gets difficult? Hmm. Well, not only is Paul's character, as he share that with them, and, and a leader's character is so important. He'd have humble thoughts, a broken heart, and a persevering resolve. But the second thing he brings up that's important for a leader is a leader's courage. Verse 20. He says, you also know how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I have showed you and I have taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul makes it very clear here that at every moment he spoke the truth in love. It says he kept back nothing that was profitable unto them. The word there, kept back, it means to not conceal or suppress out of fear. I have been in conversations with someone where I have looked at them. I have looked at their eyes and I go, what I am about to tell them is either going to A, make them angry B, break their heart, or C, make them hate me. And what you do at that moment decides whether you are a hireling or you are a servant. He says, I didn't conceal anything or suppress any part of what was profitable to you out of fear. The word profitable means something that makes us better off. You may not want to hear this, but it will make you better off if you do and you take heed to it. Many times me and Bev have been in marriage counseling and we have looked at each other afterwards. We said, I don't think they're gonna do it because you can see the resistance that's there. But we say the same things no matter what. And we know that if there are those who will listen, they will take heed unto God's word, that they will be okay. And then are they those that harden their heart? They will not take heed unto God's word and they're gonna to continue to struggle. We have to say it though. Because if they take heed, if perchance maybe even they'll leave their hard heart and somehow soften it, they'll be better off. They'll be better off. We read it in our scripture reading in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God might be perfect or mature or complete, thoroughly or completely furnished or equipped unto all good works. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, not just the easy sections, not just the popular sections. Let's talk this morning about how God's blessed us. I'd do that every Sunday if I had permission from God to do so. I would talk about grace and mercy every Sunday because it's my favorite topic. I would never leave it. But all of it makes it better off. So we need to hear about all of it. We need to ask the hard questions. 
We need to deal with the difficult issues. And that's why I believe in teaching through the Bible from start to finish without skipping anything (laughs) because then you can do that. I want to have the same testimony that Paul has here when I get to the end of my life that I have not withheld from you or kept back anything that you needed to hear from God's word. And if you have a ministry where you are teaching, you have a responsibility to do the very same thing, to give the full counsel, as we'll see later on, the full counsel of God. Paul says he explains what he did and how he would teach it both publicly and house to house. And with the size of Ephesus, it appears that they met both congregationally and they also met in small groups. And it's possible that the large pastoral team existed to oversee all these small home fellowships that were there. But he explains now that he spoke the full gospel message in verse 21 because he says, I testified both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, repentance means a change of mind that results in a change of the way you live. This is the full message of the gospel. I must change my mind about my life. Any preaching of the gospel that does not bring that up is not the gospel. There must be the recognition that sin is not okay, that I'm not a good person. And there must then be a confession of that to God, followed by asking God to forgive my sins on the basis of my faith and what Christ did for me on the cross. If all of that package is not there, it's not the gospel, okay? It's not the gospel. If Jesus saves me to keep me in my sins, that is not the gospel. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407 523 0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.